appreciate your offer. But after all we've been through, I don't think this kind of deal's for me. <laughs> you poor naive chump. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that load of sickening schmaltz, and I'm going to give you a bit of an education. At the end of it, if you're smart, you'll thank me, and then you'll sign that contract. Look, there is the true spirit of the golden age of racing. Benjamin Braddock, Reginald White, George Wheeler, Diamond Dave Tewksbury, and Oliver Potter. The five most powerful men in the world at the turn of the last century. For all intents and purposes, they created the modern automotive industry, but the true stroke of their genius was the invention of the WRL, the world's first racing league. Interesting that you and your father were so moved by the 43 Pre. One of the great finishes in the history of racing, right? Everyone remembers Burns and Stickle and slugging it out. But who remembers Karl Potts? Driving this rebuilt Whittigan for Iodine Industries, Potts spun out in the second lap and went down as a DNF. A forgettable and pathetic finish. So bad that afterwards, Iodine stock dropped six points. But as Ben Burns sat guzzling cold, fresh milk in Victory Lane, a thousand cameras taking his picture, Cirrus Aeronautics saw almost a 12-point gain, which immediately blocked Peninsula Power Cell from being able to afford the price of a complete takeover. This put Joel Goldman, the CEO of Iodine Inc., in the exact position he wanted to be in. By first buying controlling interest in his own company at a devalued price, he then brokered a merger with Cirrus that immediately sent Iodine into the gains record book, the only record book that matters. Look out that window. There isn't a single plane or helicopter or K-Harrier that isn't powered by iodine fuel cells. That's what racing is about. It has nothing to do with cars or drivers. All that matters is power and the unassailable might of money. You understand? Burns knew he was going to win. It was already decided. A week before the pre, Goldman and Cirrus met with several other major players at the Cargyle Hotel. They met there as they had for years. They met to negotiate the finish order of the Grand Prix. No race is more important, and no race is more controlled. That year, Goldman was supposed to win, but he knew that if he sold his win to Cirrus, whatever that win might be worth was nothing compared to what could be gained. That's why I spent three million dollars on this burnt and twisted lump of metal, because it reminds me of what really matters. This is the true heart of racing, boy. This is my religion. You don't know how many times I've seen that same cow-eyed, sadism-so look of disbelief. Every bumpkin who comes in from the sticks looks exactly as you do now. I won't bother proving it to you. You walk away from me, you walk away from this deal, you'll know how true it is soon enough. So last chance! You ready to put away your toys and grow up? Are you ready to make more money in one year than your father made in his whole life? Are you ready to become a real race car driver? Then sign that contract! Pops is right. You are the devil. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? 
Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 337, Speed Racer. And this is listener request number 47, courtesy of Luke. Luke, a longtime listener, and giving us a kind of divisive movie to do here. (laughs) Yeah, well, don't worry. He emailed us about it. Okay. So we'll get to preface our discussion. With his little preamble, I guess, yeah. or his reasoning, which is, I guess, a good time to transition into it. So, over the last couple weeks, we have given our listeners a little bit of an email prompt, and Luke has already done it. A few people have already done it. It started with Carla's listener request for Once Bitten, but we have expanded it beyond just the scope of listener requests or your own listener requests. We want to hear your little anecdotes, stories, whatever it is about either a movie you requested us to cover or a movie we covered on the show or any movie at all, times that you snuck in to see it or you remember seeing it with your best friend or your girlfriend or, hey, maybe your dad passed away and this is a movie you shared with him or whatever it is. Whatever your little stories are about the movies, that's what we would like you to send in greatestpod at gmail.com and we will be reading them over the next weeks and months as we get them in we have a few we'd like to get some more it's really brightened up the show i'd say yeah and you can feel free to email about anything whatever you want but if you'd like to reach out and interact and contact us and you're not really sure where to start that's a good way to get into it so we will be reading luke's to kick off the show rather than All right end the show which is usually what we would do love it right to it in addition to that let's run through the listener request sketch since it's heating up please here what would you say we are two-thirds of the way through the year yeah something like that i think that's fair we're heading into the final stretch we are filled up in 2023 so if you give us a brand new listener request we won't be covering it until 2024 as i mentioned last week We will be looking to do about two per month in 2024, but not for every month. So we were putting it about 18. We've already filled in two. So we have 16 slots for next year. And you can get those for this year's price up until the end of the year, which would be $50 for a movie up to two and a half hours or whatever, and uh, $75 for a movie up to three hours. And then anything other than that, you'd have to reach out. In September, we have Thomas and Keith coming up. Ooh. November, we have L. Allen, or I believe he wanted to be called Big Al or something. Remember All I right. read one of his emails? I think it was either Big Al or L. Allen. And okay, then we have, yeah. I like when people have character names, like the well, Stern Show. Well, we have you know? Dr. Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> and the only reason I'm saying Dr. Stephen is because we have a different Stephen coming up, too. So November is L. Allen and Dr. Stephen. December is Justin and Aaron. And get this, Aaron, such a big-time fan of the show that he went in for a double. So oh. we got Aaron and Steven, different than Dr. Steve. 
different, Stephen, in January. And then next year, the prices will basically double, except we will get rid of the tiered system. It will just be $100 for a movie up to three hours. Mm -hmm. So hopefully no more people will be requesting movies next year. (laughs) We have a new (laughs) pricing model that's intended to uh, keep people away. You can get them at the old price for the rest of the year. So get those in now. A couple of other tidbits while we're in the mood for some show housekeeping. In case you didn't notice, no one has reached out. Not a single soul has reached out. But in case you noticed, <laughs> we did not cover Yellow Jackets Season 2 as a listener, or as a, yeah. give us a second. That won't be happening. I still haven't even returned to it. Same. I'm way too busy. I am going to watch it eventually. Yeah, it yeah. has not left my mind. I am curious, but... The moment to do a give us a second for season two has passed. We did the Seinfeld thing instead. This year, we are planning a massive Greatest October. I don't want to get too specific yet because I don't want to promise things that we ultimately won't deliver. (laughs) But we're planning a huge month of October, and that will also mark the return of Physical Media Spotlight, which we have paused temporarily. Mm Mm-hmm. We've already mentioned the email prompts. Please get those in. For sticker requests, you can hit us up on X oh, yeah. slash Twitter. It's been a while. I still have some of those people. At Greatest Pod. Yes, I wanted to emphasize sticker requests. That's why I wrote it down. If you are a new listener to the show or you just haven't reached out yet, they are free. You can hit us up on X slash Twitter at Greatest Pod or via email, greatestpod at gmail.com, and we will send that to you. You can put them on your laptop. Yeah whatever we occasionally have people send us a little pic as to like where they put it yeah matt would definitely like to see more of those totally anything else please feel free to engage reach out we love communicating with you guys it's really what keeps us doing the show that and you subscribing (laughs) please subscribe apple Podcasts, podbean wherever you find us and please give us a rating and review on apple Podcasts. and as always Find us on Letterboxd, even though I don't really post on there anymore. Zach1983 and Matt Crosby. Mm -hmm. Let's get into Speed Racer. We're talking about the 2008 live-action joint based on the animated series of the same name created by Tatsuo Yoshida, which originated in published form as a manga in 1966. Oh, Written and directed by Lily and Lana Wachowski. And if you have not seen Speed Racer or would like to rewatch it for the purposes of listening to this podcast, it is currently streaming for free on Max. Which I think it's been up there the entire time Max has existed. The first time I ever tried to watch this movie was on HBO On Demand. Something with Speed Racer is just always available on HBO. Well, it's definitely a Warner Brothers product. Yeah. And it must do decent streaming numbers for them to stay super committed the budget of speed racer was 120 million dollars the box office was 93 million making it a box office bomb it Mm. underperformed and was highly polarizing receiving mixed to negative reviews but i would say that in recent years there has been an emergence of a slight cult following with this film I think probably the biggest reason is because visually it is very unlike anything else. I really, I think I even wrote this down eventually, maybe towards the end. I could not think of a single visual comp. No. I don't think there's any movie that really looks like this. It's kind of hard to explain it. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's very 
of the moment of 2008, I think even if the Wachowskis were going to redo this movie in 2023, it would look way different because yeah. the technology is different. It's definitely like CGI and live action spliced together in an almost who framed Roger Rabbit yeah. <laughs> type way. I was thinking of Roger Rabbit or yeah. Cool World but in more of a Pixar way, but it doesn't yeah. really look like Pixar. It's a different it definitely, kind of yeah, it's animation. A, it's its own thing. <laughs> now, when this movie came out, it, it certainly came and went for me. This was like the same summer as The Dark Knight, but I remember hearing like people weren't really into it. Well, I think that for full disclosure, which we have done before, whether it's one of the other listener requests that we haven't seen or Akira or something like that. Oh, yeah. Or Star Trek, where there is a, a big backstory to it. There's all kinds of information to know to contextualize what you're seeing. Once again, we're in the position of not really having any familiarity. I never watched the show. I didn't read anything. I never knew anything about it. So this is my first exposure yeah. to the whole thing. I watched a little bit of the cartoon when I was a kid. Just where like did it air? I cartoon think that, Network? Yeah, Cartoon Network. Okay. But I do remember listening to a podcast in like, I don't know, 2013 or something where two dudes were, cat. of course, two dudes doing a podcast, you know, the blueprint. It was us. Yeah. But I just hear the one guy say, yes, Speed Racer is a perfect movie. And, and the other guy's like, yeah, you think it's a perfect movie. I think it's an almost perfect movie. Like I almost fell out of my chair, <laughs> completely stunned that that was the conversation because it was just contrary to like everything I had ever heard. Well, um, but then the, I have realized now that over time that there is this following that this movie is a hidden masterpiece. Well, we're definitely in the era of reevaluation. Yeah. That's part of film discussion, film discourse now because of social media, the internet, what have you. And in all honesty, there probably are dozens of films, if not hundreds, that have been unfairly dismissed. I love some, couldn't care less about others, as yeah. most people do. But I think when a big film is released, especially a film that underperforms dramatically at the box office, then automatically there's a narrative associated with that. Tack on to it, disappointing reviews. Tack on to that pre-existing IP that seemingly let some people, fans of the original thing, down. Yeah. That's fertile ground for people to take an interest in it, no matter what. That right there tells you why it's been on HBO seemingly forever. Yeah, yeah. Because people are always going to have some curiosity about it. Think about Waterworld, The Postman, Cutthroat Island, some of these notorious bombs. They're always available on physical media. Right. They're always available on streaming. And it's like, why? These movies were notorious. They lost all this money. Why were people so interested? I don't know. Because... It's part of the narrative. Like, oh, this was such a disaster. They become notorious in their own way. All right. All right. All right, you go ahead. You go ahead. You keep it secret. But you remember this. When you control the mail, you control information. So let's read Luke's email now. The segments right. are going to be a little weird. Obviously, we're pausing physical media. So at the end, we're just going to do recommendations. But we'll do email now. And Luke will potentially guide us into this film. He writes, Hey, what's up, fellas? Proud ass clown checking in here. I wanted to write a little defense of my listener request. <laughs> Don't be nervous. So let me just say this. Yeah. This came before we launched into this whole thing with Once Bitten and mm -hmm. Carla and 
wanting to know the story behind the listener request. Luke seemingly just offered this on his own, I believe. Maybe Once Bitten had just come out. I don't know. It's felt very weird to me that we got this email like a week after Luke did the request. Well, he has good timing. <laughs> he was getting nervous. Yeah. First Speed Racer is my favorite movie, he says. It's not the best, most interesting, or smartest movie, but like a plate of spaghetti, it just hits the spot for me. We're all feeling Marvel and superhero and franchise fatigue, and a lot of that stems from a lack of risk-taking from executives. Where are the light, easy, feel-good movies? Speed Racer fills that void for me. This movie is bizarre. I can't tell you how many times I've recommended this movie to friends, only for them to turn it off after five minutes. (laughs) Well... I do think the adjusting to the visual element of it is a task. And I had made multiple attempts in my life to watch this movie and found myself not getting into it. And I do think that adjustment is a little bit of an ask of people. For sure, yeah. The visual choices are crazy. The exterior establishing shots look like a Nickelodeon show for babies. Spritel and Chim Chim are obnoxious. A ninja shows up. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the ninja. Yeah, yeah. They make fun of it even. The twist and then reverse twists are laughable. It's absurd, and yet I'm still charmed by the whole thing. When you look past all that, you see some fantastic work. The opening race, the way it cuts between the past and the present feels so natural. Susan Sarandon dropping the wine glass is such a captivating shot. The build-up to the last race. I don't think I've ever seen any movie do the types of things this movie does. It uses a heavy amount of CG. Well, that almost is putting it lightly. A heavy amount but never as the focus of the cool shots until the very end. Everything that is really captivating is from the craft of the directors or actors. It has legitimate heart, and at the end of the day, that wins me over. When John Goodman says, will you sit with your old man? I'd like to say a few words. I do kind of tear up. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Speed hearing his family's support as he races to victory. It just works, man. It really works on me. Hope you guys like it. If not, feel free to rip it. I don't care. I will always <laughs> love this movie, Loyal Ass Clown, Luke from St. Paul. Well, that's that's pretty much what I want to hear from people. If you do a listener request or whatever, it doesn't have to be your listener request, as yeah. I already explained, but that's what I want to hear. And sometimes we have those kind of relationships with art. They just resonate yeah. in the right way for whatever reason. Now, if I'm being completely honest, it seems like a wild thing to say that it's your favorite movie, but (laughs) (laughs) I could have done with probably about 98% less Spritel and Chim Chim. (laughs) That would have been my first first note. But listen, I can definitely get behind a lot of the independent world versus corporate conglomerate, and I think there's some messaging about doing something that you love and not being... Swept up in that world. I I definitely get into that stuff. Yeah, it's a pretty simple to understand basic story. The good versus evil of it all is not complicated. You get it. They just throw out words that make you feel that ick. Conglomerate. Has there ever been a good conglomerate in a movie? (laughs) No. (laughs) We get it. We know. Even... Honestly, the closest comp would be probably be the Star Wars prequels in terms of CGI. Oh, yeah. And even in Phantom Menace, you're talking about trade federations and blockades. You just have to throw out words like that, and people are like, oh, God. No, yeah. We, we don't know who the bad guys people. are. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that a pretty big element of the narrative in terms of talking about Speed Racer, the film, is 
understanding that love it or hate it, it is trying to go for something unlike anything else. And I think they do achieve that. We'll get into a little bit of the specifics. This isn't yeah. a super highly technical podcast, but they do a technique in this film that really hadn't been done before, which is they, I'll get into the more specifics of it later, but the end result has the foreground and the background both in focus the entire time, which makes it look like it's very almost one-dimensional, like a page. Yeah. Because it's supposed to try to be replicating what it looks like in manga form, which is basically you draw it on a page and everything Mm kind of just looks the same because you're not really focusing on shading and you know making things look like they're in the background in a manga you're just sort of quickly putting the pictures together and it goes for that and i think it is jarring oh yeah at times and even what luke mentions in his email about the past present and future all happening at the same time he seems to love that sometimes that was hard for me to feel the stakes of the present moment because you're also seeing what happens after it at the same time (laughs) Which is hard to explain, but once you see the movie, you'll get it. Right. They just sort of move in time with a lot of close-ups of faces of yeah, the yeah. actors it, reacting to things. Overlayered other action. Yeah. The editing is insane. The post-production of this movie seems like it had to have been... <laughs> yeah, they filmed it in 2001. <laughs> it came out in 2008. <laughs> in September 1992, Joe Pitka announced that Warner Brothers held the option to create a live-action film adaptation of the 1960s Japanese anime and manga series Speed Racer in development at Silver Pictures. In October of 1994, singer Henry Rollins was offered the role of Racer X. I could see that. In June 1995, Johnny Depp was cast into the lead role for Speed Racer with production slated to begin the coming October with filming to take place in California and Arizona. Hmm. The following August, Depp requested time off to the studio for personal business delaying production. However, due to an overly high budget the same August, director Julian Temple left the project. That's Juno's dad. Depp without a director also departed from the project. The studio considered Gus Van Zandt as a replacement for Temple. (laughs) Though it would not grant writing privileges to Van Zandt, I would love to see Gus Van Zandt's (laughs) speed racer. (laughs) Everybody's nude in it, and it's in black and white or something. And you're just like, what the fuck? There's no racing in it. (laughs) And not much talking, frankly. (laughs) In December 1997, the studio briefly hired Alfonso Cuaron as director. In the various incarnations of the project, screenwriters Mark Levin, Jennifer Flackett, J.J. Abrams, and Patrick Reed Johnson had been hired to write scripts. So a lot of high-profile people have come and gone through this project. It's gone through what we consider development hell Mm -hmm. or endless turnaround or whatever you want to call it. It was a project that just took 20-something years, basically, to get off the ground. In September of 2000, Warner Brothers and producer Lauren Schuler Donner hired music video director Hype Williams to take the helm of the project. In October 2001, the studio hired screenwriters Christian Gudegast and Paul Scherig for $1.2 million split between them to write a script for the film. I wonder if that $1.2 yeah, million counts towards the 120 How do we get ourselves one of those gigs? Yeah, writing scripts for things. That they're just going to like light on fire? <laughs> yeah, we already do that, but we just don't get any money. 
Eventually, without production getting underway, the director and the writers left the project. In June 2004, Vince Vaughn spearheaded a revival of the project by presenting a take for the film that would develop the characters more strongly. Vaughn was cast as Racer X and was also attached to the project as an executive producer. With production never becoming active, Vaughn was eventually detached from the project. That's kind of crazy, the timeline of that, too. That's post-old school, I know. but pre-Wedding Crashers. Yeah, so he wasn't nice. that big of a star yet, because he's after Wedding middle. Crashers, he gets $25 million for Fred Claus. Yeah, but that's the thing. <laughs> he's in the middle of really doing this comedy stuff. I'm not picturing swingers Vince Vaughn in this moment in time. In October 2006, the Wachowskis were brought on board by the studio to write and direct the film. Producer Joel Silver, who had collaborated with them for V for Vendetta and the Matrix trilogy, explained that they were hoping to reach a broader audience with a film that would not be rated R by the MPAA. Visual effects designer John Gaeta, who won an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects for The Matrix, was brought in to help conceive making Speed Racer into a live-action adaptation. Production was set to begin in summer 2007 in European locations for a summer 2008 release, and the rest, as they say, is history. And what we're left with is this massive ambition, this huge idea. Now, whether or not it's successful, I guess, depends on how you feel about the film. I'm sure from a studio perspective, they were very disappointed in the box office. But it really is a nonstop assault on aesthetics, which I believe one of the Wachowskis kind of described it that way. Mm -hmm. It's a revolutionary visual experience that takes place in a non-real world. It never really even hints at trying to be real. Well, that original Grand Prix race that they watched the video of, that seemed like it took place in a more normal world or the yeah. world that we know. And then somehow it became this and it hasn't been that much time. Well, I was wondering though That racetrack looks like a normal track <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's this shit. I was wondering if because it's it's definitely the retro future look. Yeah, yeah. And I was wondering if it's supposed to actually take place in the past, but a past that never existed. Yeah, it could be. Because they're watching the forty three race. Right. For a movie that came out in 2008, that's a 45-year... Right. Really? A black-and-white race from the 40s you're watching? I don't know. It just I just feel like since the cartoon came out in the late 60s that it's supposed to be kind of like an alternative... 60s? Yeah. Yeah, could be. 60s or 70s, you know, yeah. something like that. Trixie kind of seems like a gal of that era. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> with her bangs. Does she just live with them? I don't know. That part's unclear to me. <laughs> I like At that one she, point, like, I was wondering if they were brother and sister. Well, um, how rich are all of these people? Like, she has a helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> the Racer family is supposed to be, like, the poor indie outfit. Well, she's not in their family, though. I know. Well, yeah. Isn't she, though? Well, this is a world where things like helicopters don't really cost a lot of money yeah. because they all use helicopters and race cars and right. whatever. This is the first time the Wachowskis had filmed a movie in high definition, with this format, they could utilize a layering approach that gave equal clarity to the foreground and background of each scene in the film, creating the appearance of real-life anime. I would say that it kind of alternates between Saturday morning cartoon Technicolor and a world of sleek CGI wizardry to create a unique universe 
that, as I said, I don't really think has been replicated, and I doubt it ever will be because I don't know that anyone would have the same goals, first and foremost, but I also think the technology is considerably different now. I don't really think they make the film the same way, which kind of fits with what we were saying about some of the stuff in Zodiac, Mm -hmm. where it was the first time Fincher had shot digital, and there's definitely some weird CGI and different things in that that have a digital feel to it that almost seems like that's been evolved out of Uh, stuff too. Totally. Feel that shimmy? Your hind legs trying to outrun your front. What do I do? Stop steering and start driving. This ain't no dead piece of metal. The car's a living, breathing thing, and she's alive. You can feel her talking to you, telling you what she wants, what she needs. All you gotta do is listen. Close your eyes and listen. Like I said, Ben Burns drove the final lap of the Vanderbilt Cup with his eyes closed. No way! No? Maybe you just can't hear it then. Maybe you ought to start hitting those books. No, I hear it! Oh, is that so, Mr. Burns? All right, tell me to punch you for the jump. Now? Favorite speed racers gobbling up this track. Let us hope he does not make the same mistakes that his brother made. Speed Racer, portrayed in the present tense by America's sweetheart, Emil Hirsch, is a lucky man in the sense that he's always known what he wants to do with his life. His first and fiercest and most enduring love is automobile racing. It's in his blood. And luckily for him, he was named appropriately. (laughs) (laughs) The film opens by flashing between past and present, allowing us to experience Speed's love, admiration, and idolatry of his older brother Rex, a record-setting racer who showed Speed the ropes. Yeah, they definitely give you everything you need to know. It all happens in that first long race sequence. Right. You're jumping around all this different stuff, which is providing the backstory and all of those different things. To prepare for his role, Emil Hirsch watched every episode of Speed Racer from the 1967 cartoon and paid a visit to Lowe's Motor Speedway where he met and got advice from race car driver Jimmy Johnson. But as you may have already gathered by what's been mentioned thus far... Casting the part of Speed Racer himself over the endless development window was not so simple. After Johnny Depp, there was Shia LaBeouf, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Zac Efron in the oh. mix. They were all considered the role of Racer X, which we'll get to later. Often had some intriguing casting possibilities, even beyond the ones we've already mentioned. Peter Fernandez and 
Corinne or the original English voices of Speed Racer, Racer X, and Trixie Spritel in Speed Racer cartoon voice race announcers in this film. Yeah. So they brought cool. back some of the original voice people. Yeah. Speed Racer's parents are Pops, played by John Goodman, and Mom, played by Susan Sarandon. I do like that casting. Two greats. Yeah, definitely. Those could be my movie parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an odd couple, though. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really imagine a scenario where Susan Sarandon ends up with John Goodman. <laughs> She's really down on her luck, I guess. I don't know. John Goodman's appearance in this film, too, is yeah. wild. He sometimes is just straight up dressed like Super Mario. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> well, With gonna... that mustache, too. I know, yeah. <laughs> Together, they all run the independent racer motors in which his brother, Spritel, and his pet chimp, Chim Chim, his mechanic, Sparky, and his girlfriend, Trixie, played by Christina Ricci, are also involved to varying degrees. The opening race sequence and the flashbacks contained within reveal a bit of the situation. Speed is embarking on his own career, trying to emerge from the shadow of his brother Rex, who evidently perished while racing in the Casa Cristo 5000, a deadly cross-country rally race. Yes, that certainly looms over the family. For sure, and we don't really know the details of what any of that means, really. What is a rally race? I didn't even know what that meant. Right. (laughs) I'm so unprepared for things like this that have... Their own backstory, which oh, would yeah. be the world of Speed Racer, plus then they're building on a sport I know nothing about, which totally. is car racing. Right. So same. I'm really lost with yeah. the terminology. Well, that's the thing. I know things. they got all sorts of made up shit for these cars, but I couldn't even tell you what oh, the yeah, real parts know. of a car are. <laughs> you thought that spear hook thing? You were like, "That's real." <laughs> Some Ford models might have that. I don't know what a chassis is. I can tell you that. <laughs> A working Mach 5 was built for the film, along with several other full-size cars, including Racer X's Shooting Star. All driving scenes were filmed with the actors sitting in a gimbal, a race car cockpit with a computer-programmed hydraulic system. Alicia Cuthbert, Kate Mara, and Rose McGowan were all in consideration for Trixie. I think it also needs to be pointed out that Ariel Winter from Modern Family plays young Trixie in the flashback sequences. Winter is the real-life younger sister of actor Jimmy Workman. Oh. Workman played Pugsley Adams in The Adams Family from the film in the early 90s. Wow. Sister of Wednesday Adams, played by the older Trixie, Christina Ricci. That's right. So there you go. (laughs) Wow. That is wild. Yeah, when I saw her name in the credits, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I recognize that name. Who, Ariel Winter yeah. or Christina Ricci? No, Ariel Winter. <laughs> Christina Ricci, I feel like at the time when this movie was coming out, that jumped out to me when she was in the trailer. I feel like she was in sort of an era where it well, didn't this really would have been, like... what, one or two years after Black Snake Moan? Yeah. The good era? Right. I well, I, not really in big mainstream movies. It seemed like that moment has had kind of been passing for her, but it was nice to see her there. Well, sometimes you think that way, but then you realize that you just didn't see the things they were Totally. In. During like 2000 to 2008, if three years passed and I hadn't seen someone, I'm like, their career is over. Like, where is this person? Now it could be like 2008 and, and they're in something this year. And I'm like, yeah, they were just in 
Speed Racer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was having a conversation with you about Yellow Jackets. Wow, it's so great to see Christina Ricci. When's the last time we saw her? <laughs> and you said, oh, well, she was just in Speed Racer. <laughs> What are the safety regulations for these races? Doesn't seem like anyone's concerned the rules, about the death. And very loose. Dismemberment, yeah. <laughs> especially considering how out of control the cars seem. I well, feel like they'd be flying into the crowds all the time, killing it, spectators. I, yeah, I know. It's actually a part of the movie, people being like dirty racers and everything, and it, as if people in the sport look down on that. But it's seemingly <laughs> happening all the time. I know. It does seem like there are no rules. Yeah. And you can literally murder everyone on the <laughs> track. So I don't but know. But then sometimes when you break a certain rule, everyone is just like, boo. <laughs> well, it's sort of like the NFL, really. Yeah, yeah, right. Or gladiators in the Coliseum. Totally. Or UFC or what have you, where outsiders might think that it's barbaric and ridiculous, but the people who are into it know the rules and know what's going on. Yeah. Actually, this extended ra- opening race, a noisy pinball machine of cotton candy lights and family-friendly action, serves to lay out pretty much the entirety of the backstory. I think that if I was going to pick out something that I felt like the film did struggle with a little bit, it is inspiring me to care about the characters specifically. I think that the character development and backstory is sort of lacking at times, and I can feel disconnected from what I'm seeing on the screen, especially during the long action sequences, because yes. you're jumping into a lot of things, but I, I never really felt like I knew much about anybody in the movie. Well, even in the action sequences, it's hard to have that vested of an interest in what's happening because you're like, who's winning? <laughs> I can't <laughs> oh, tell. Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't yet. tell what was the actual point of the race right trial of rex racer shook the world racing league to its very foundation once a rat always a rat and in my book rex racer is nothing but a rat did you see that that will definitely leave a mark and rex racer nearly took yokama's head off with that job hey there is no doubt in my mind that rex racer is one of the dirtiest drivers in the for five years, Rex Racer took orders from the criminal underworld. Would you stop it right now? I just told him the truth. His compound brother doesn't belong on a racetrack. He belongs in jail. Indictment brought down the perennial racing powerhouse, Uniron. Uniron was leaked to the notorious fixer Blackjack Benelli. Still in prison today, Benelli was rumored to be behind the Casa Cristo tragedy. One of the worst crashes I have ever seen. How can this happen? This is terrible. This is just terrible. There's still no sign of driver respiration. Oh, my God. 
racer speeds brother has a complicated legacy there's some additional baggage for speed but it seems as if the public story is that rex is tied in with the criminal underworld that he died in disgrace yeah more or less whatever was going on there were a lot of chaotic moments right. leading up to rex's demise when i got to the end of the movie i was a little bit like i don't think there's enough here i feel like we needed to know a little bit more about what was going on with Rex. Yeah. Yeah. And I also felt like, I don't know if this changes the movie at all or if this works any better. I know that they want to reveal everything about him at the end of the movie as a little bit of a, a twist or whatever. I kind of feel like they could have done that stuff midway through. Yeah. I didn't feel like that needed to be, well, because I don't think it is a surprise. <laughs> right. I was wondering how much pre-existing knowledge played into this film. Yeah. How much fans of speed racer had an advantage how much of an advantage i guess you would say over people who have no knowledge are these things that people already knew all of this stuff yeah and as can happen sometimes with existing ip it's taken for granted how much all of the audience knows or doesn't know i i don't know i i don't know enough about speed racer to know if some of our questions would be addressed i actually remembered this from the cartoon that there is this racer x character and it's basically the same thing. I, I remember from the cartoon, Speed Racer is like, yeah, this guy seems like he is my brother that died. <laughs> that was a part of it. And I always remember thinking as a kid, I'm like, wow, this is kind of like dark material <laughs> for a cartoon that his dead brother. Yeah, well, maybe he's not dead. the end of this movie, I was stunned by how dark it kind of seemed to yeah. me. I was like, really? <laughs> Luke, what are you talking about? This is a feel-good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked by the end. But the tragedy of Rex is in the past. Speed wins this opening race, seemingly summoning the spirit of his brother. They have this weird ghost legacy thing happening, which is actually kind of cool Yeah. in theory. It is confusing at first because I thought he was racing another car. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that what you were supposed to take from that. But once it became clear, I thought it was a pretty cool idea. I find it a little bit being undermined by the reveal at the end. If he's not really dead, then what are we looking at here? Nothing. Okay. (laughs) His mind, I guess. But whatever. Speed is a good enough guy to hold back just a little bit at the end to preserve his brother's track record so you can see that Speed prioritizes family and you understand what is important to him. He has his own career now, one that is going quite well, too as Speed is quickly sweeping the racing world with his skill behind the wheel of his brother's Mach 5 and his own T-180 car, the Mach 6, although primarily interested in the art of the race, 
and the uh, well-being yes. of his family more than money and fame. It was very much a uh, spirituality to racing for him and his family, I'd say. Well, you know, it's a good thing his parents named him Speed. It did work out. His last name is Racer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been hilarious if he hated cars. Now, that would be an interesting premise. Yeah. But he has to reluctantly get pulled into this race. It would have turned into Varsity Blues. <laughs> I don't want your life. <laughs> Spritel sort of reminds me of the younger brother. That's true. From Varsity Blues. Yeah, they did kind of take the Varsity Blues. Blue blue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> this cartoon from the 60s took a blueprint from a movie that came out in 1999. <laughs> One day completely out of the blue... E.P. Arnold Royalton, CEO of Conglomerate Royalton Industries, offers Speed an astoundingly luxurious lifestyle in exchange for signing to race with him. This is a big point of contention, especially for Spritel, for some reason. They're a DIY indie family mm-hmm. with some superstar talent in their genes, but they don't believe in going into this whole corporate world yeah. in racing they're soul racers <laughs> that's true yeah. yeah i think that at first it's a little bit confusing as to what the big deal is i don't know that they do a great job of explaining why they need to stay indian poor but then eventually you do see the corruption and the evil side totally. and you understand uh, maybe a little but, bit about what was going on with rex and i, I know but Pops is so turned off to this world, but he doesn't even know the half of it. When he <laughs> finds know. out about, about this 40s pre... It's the a, race fixing. Yeah. Roger Allum plays Royalton. The only thing I've ever seen this guy from is V for Vendetta, which the Wachowskis True. produced. And he's awesome in that. Yeah. And he plays a very similar character in this. And he's awesome in this. Perfect casting. Totally. He has just like great delivery. He has the perfect amount of pomp and buffoonery yeah. and hateability. But he does bring a little bit of the charm in the first interaction, too, when he shows up at the house. Right, but it's an oily charm. Yeah. You know that It's he's a show. Right. Skeezy. After something. I thought when Royalton is taking the Racer family on this tour and they're on their way there, you get that brief aerial view of the city and it felt like 2008 exploded onto my screen. It was 2008 personified, (laughs) this CGI city that they fly over. It just had a certain look. This might be a weird tangent, but we always talk about how the 60s, 50s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they all have a certain feel. Yes. But then once you get past the 90s, that starts feeling less and less. How do you differentiate between the 2000s and the 2010s? Yeah, I know. And as we, me and you, get older, it becomes even harder to differentiate Uh, what's going on. But I think through film and through technology used in film, you can start to place some of the aesthetics of these things. Agreed, yeah. And this has a very time-marked feel to it. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have looked like this two years later or two years earlier. Yeah. Similar, but not quite the same. Obviously, not nearly as much CGI used, but I kind of feel like Scott Pilgrim, there was a little bit of some crossover stylized choices. Yeah, for sure. Also a manga situation. Right. Although there's there's just a lot less. Right. This is almost 
existing in a CGI world completely. Yes. I was shocked to read that they built two cars or multiple cars. Oh, yeah. My first thought was, why? It doesn't <laughs> seem like he's in a real car. Right. So if it doesn't seem like he's in one, then why would you pay for one? I don't know. I've had this wonderful opportunity to meet your family. All I'm asking for is the chance to introduce you to mine. I've never flown so low through the city. Special permit. Only six of them are granted a year. Take whatever you like. Thank you. Gretel. She said we could have some. Uh, maybe one apiece. Hey, look. That's the Grand Prix Coliseum. My brother's gonna win the Grand Prix someday. No doubt in my mind, young man. Given the right circumstances, no doubt in my mind whatsoever. This is Jeannie, our talent manager. Ask for anything. Her job is to make it come true. Hello, Speed. Welcome to royalty. What's this? To make an informed decision, you'll have to understand how we take care of our drivers. All aboard. Oh, cool. Crown jewel among the properties that I control. It functions as the corporate headquarters for the top 12 divisions of our parent corps. One big industrious family. Our vertically integrated plant is the fastest in the world. From initial carbon bomb to finished car in 36 hours. How long does it take at Racer Motors? Mm, several weeks at least. <clears throat> this kind of production facility could be at your disposal, Mr. Racer. <laughs> this is our operating theater where our patented refusion distributor is installed in the turbine drive. Is that an inner positive transponder? We control the only transponder foundry in the world. Outside of Musha Motors. Oops. Sorry. Trade secret. As you know. A T-180 driver's got to be in peak physical condition. No expenses spared to ensure that when our drivers suit up, they are as perfectly tuned as the machines they are controlling. The best drivers must be able to withstand over four Gs of force in a typical race. The will to win is nothing without the will to prepare. And at Team Royalton, we prepare our drivers for any eventuality and every possible condition. I hope I didn't scare you, Speed, with how hard we push our team. I just wanted you to see how committed we are to winning. I get that. Good. Because I also want you to understand that our eyes and all work and no play. 
treat our thoroughbreds the way they deserve to be treated. Sweet! There's a full maid service, of course, with personal chef and masseurs available 24-7. Sweet! It's quite a presentation, though, from Royalton. He's got state-of-the-art facilities, all kinds of stuff going on, expert race car production. He's got the roster of all the top racers, guys that Speed and even Sprite have looked up to, heroes from TV, a far cry from the meager capabilities of the modest racer motors, that's for sure. In the first, I would almost say, 25, 30 minutes of the movie, Speed does not speak very much at all. It's definitely an understated performance. I thought that the character was going to end up being more like Driver from Drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this literally me? <laughs> That's a joke, people. I don't say that about myself. Come on. I don't know if Matt's aware of that meme, the literally me from Drive. I don't He's think literally so. me. Oh. That's whatever, you know, douchebag, yeah. incel, whatever. <laughs> Matt, you say that about Spritel. Definitely. <laughs> or Chim Chim. You're Chim Chim. I'm Spritel. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reality. We hate those two characters the most, but they're the most like us. <laughs> Speed tells Royalton that he's ultimately going to need some time to think about it. Next up, we're introduced to the mysterious masked racer named Racer X, who... I guess is tasked with exposing the corruption undermining the WRL, which I believe just stands for World Racing League, but I'm not sure. Seems <laughs> they say WRL a few times, but I wasn't. Yeah. I'm, I think I missed what they, when they said what it stood for. Well, that makes as much sense as anything else. This is what you were talking about before, though. The whole thing with Racer X and this mission is never really explained why he's doing this or what is going on. I guess you can assume that he found out the same things that Speed does in the yeah. movie, and he came up with some way to try to fix it, although I don't it know why like, faking his own death well, that's, helped. He had to be like in far deeper than what's revealed to us. Right, because they don't really explain what threat would force him to fake his own death. They never say why exactly. Now, right? granted, Speed does face some threats over they'll basically ruin his father's company with false allegations. I mean, it's yeah. possible that something like that came up and he felt like if he was dead, he could make that type well, of Well, yeah, but they didn't away. say that. Though. I know. <laughs> I just mean like they yeah. should have just explained why he I know, I don't do get that. that. When we get to the end of the movie, I, I'm left thinking there should have been an explanation as to why he had to fake his death. And also stay committed to the bit when right. it seems like they've already won. Yeah. <laughs> which I still don't really grasp. I guess you could assume that the corruption goes deeper than Royalton and they're not done. Agreed. But say that. then Just provide a little bit yeah, more explanation like... about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Racer X rescues another racer named Tejo Togokan from the evil cartel. This scene is actually really awesome. I thought this looked really cool. The night chase. There's a giant crescent moon. Oh, yeah. The race car pursuing this giant truck but like in the truck you don't even know you're in a truck it right. seems like they're in some sort of a office a crime boss office or mm -hmm. something and there's piranhas in a tank and the whole deal and i just thought it looked really cool there are definitely scenes where they picked the color palette right and the use of light sometimes 
different shadows and effects with the rain. There's totally. a couple of scenes like that. There's some really awesome looking stuff in it. This whole sequence is awesome. Granted, it comes sort of out of nowhere, and I had a hard time figuring out what was going on. Yeah, and agreed. it takes a while to connect the villains in this scene to the other villains, which would be Royalton. Mm-hmm. And that connection seemed tenuous at best, but just on its own, this scene jumped out to me. Racer X is played by Matthew Fox. So I was biting my tongue during okay. the Christina Ricci discussion. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the fate of the cast of this film yeah. as a result of the movie bombing so hard. Now, in 2008, contrary to what Matt was saying about Christina Ricci, <laughs> I feel like all three of these people, Ricci, yeah. Hirsch, Fox, were in a much more solid position in their careers. Now, granted, I already alluded to it by making a joke, but Emil Hirsch has had his own off-the-field issues sure. <laughs> that have derailed his career. But I just feel like this movie, it took down a few people. I think probably the, the weight of the bomb definitely affected yeah. the leads of this film. Because talk about three people who seem to be of the moment and then weren't really a big deal anymore. Right. Matthew Fox was in the midst of Lost being a sensation. Yeah, there was a window where it was almost going to happen. Yeah. And then his part gets cut out of World War Z and... It never happens, really. Yeah, and I yeah. think he had some off the field issues. You're right. Yeah, I mean, he, he hasn't been in a movie since 2015, and the two movies from 2015 are Extinction and Bone Tomahawk. Well, Bone Tomahawk's awesome. Is it? Okay, I've never heard of it. You've never heard of it? Uh-uh. It's directed by that guy who did Dragged Across Concrete and... Okay. What was the other one? Brawl, Brawl and Cell, Cell Block 99. Yeah, all I, of his movies are awesome. Okay, I haven't seen any of them, so I'll have to... Oh, well, you should out. watch Bone Tomahawk. It's fucking wild. Okay, sweet. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Does he do TV, Matthew Fox? Uh... Anyway, I also wanted to say that I don't know what was going on with the casting, but look, some of those names that we go through, and we're going to go through some more here in a second, they're much bigger than Matthew Fox, and they're much bigger than Emile Hirsch, and the women for Trixie never seemed to make a ton of sense. They were all about Christina Ricci's level. Yeah. So I don't really feel like that was necessarily a downgrade as to who they were looking for. But then again, Trixie is sort of a nothing part. There really isn't that much to it. So I don't know. Keanu Reeves turned down the role of Racer X in addition to Henry Rollins and Vince Vaughn, who we already mentioned. Nicolas Cage was at one point in the 90s in consideration. I also really liked the color palette in the romantic scene in the white car. The oh, Mach yeah. 6 against the various shades of red, pink, purple with the sky and the flowers yeah. and everything. That's when the rain. Some of the sky in. scenes in the city, all the city sequences are pretty cool. Yeah. The, the visuals are awesome, but in the same way that maybe like Attack of the Clones and even Titanic struggled with some of the romantic dialogue, this one also feels weird. You're not, the chemistry is not like jumping off the screen. No, there's a <laughs> yeah. weird disconnect. I don't know. Richie, though, I will say, has giant eyes that are she does. wild. Yeah. <laughs> That's noticeable st- to me still on uh, Yellow Jackets. Yeah, but they really accentuate it with that hairstyle yeah. and the whole thing. And she's even doing a, a people's eyebrow later in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spritel and Chim Chim just hiding in the trunk for some reason. I guess potentially 
wanting to listen to his brother fuck. I'm not really sure what you're doing. Why are you doing this? But then he acts like so horrified that they're going to kiss. Yeah. Well, what, what are you hiding in the trunk for then? He just always wants to be around. He wants to be a part of whatever is going on. Meanwhile, they open up the trunk and that chimp has ripped his face off. <laughs> it's like, Chim, Chim, no. Yeah, it is a dangerous pet to have. What was Michael Jackson's chimp bubbles? <laughs> Fucking bubbles back there going nuts. <laughs> Man, I think that was like 2009 that woman was attacked. So that was after this. Yeah. Because I think even – I know that it's from the cartoon, but there's a big difference between a cartoon chimp and a real chimp. And I'm going to get to the PETA stuff later, but I think even – I don't know. Just having a pet chimp in a live-action thing is so weird-seeming now. Yeah. Like, we know how dangerous they can be. Right. Oh, boy. So right now, a lot's going on. Speed is considering the deal. Royalton is obviously evil, but Speed doesn't see it yet. And then it all turns into this whole thing. There's like a whole thing with like technology and power and money and control. And then these transponders that help with the racing. And then somehow the races themselves immediately impact stock prices to the point where takeovers are affected. That's sort of like the whole point oh, yes. of the story. Yeah, the stock market is a... A major lot of factor in the moving. movie. Yeah. A lot is dependent on just one race. Yeah. <laughs> I guess these people don't believe in flukes or anything like that. I guess we have to believe that this sport is as impactful or more impactful than any professional sport right. that we are aware of today. Yeah. But it's it's like weird, FIFA. though, because <laughs> when there's an open secret like race fixing, which we're going to get to in a second, you would think that it would come out and then the stock prices would not be affected because they're not really proving anything by winning them. Though tempted, Speed ultimately declines the offer from Royalton, mostly due to a long-standing familial distrust of power-hungry corporations and sponsors and what can only really be described as well, proving Speed and Racer Motors absolutely right, Royalton gets pissed. (laughs) And in his fury reveals that for many years... Key races have been fixed by corporate interests, including himself, to gain outrageous profits. <laughs> Let me give you a little real talk, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny that Speed says, my family doesn't really trust these things. They're they're kind of not really what we're into yeah. because we, no offense, kind of think they're evil. And then he's just like, you know what? You're right. Here's why. <laughs> so I'll give you one more chance to come on board. And then proves to be even worse than yeah. Speed was even imagining. Well, I would say the entire time he's being courted, there's definitely like a discomfort. He's a little bit amazed by some of the things that he's seeing. But the movie gets very chaotic once they get to the city, and it's just a different life and feel to like what it was like at their home. The immediate aftermath for Speed and his family is not great. Mm-mm. Royalton takes out his anger on Speed by hiring his drivers to force Speed to crash and not finish the next race. Sonic the Hedgehog video game. That's what I felt like this race looked like. Oh, yeah. There's at least one or two worlds in Sonic 2 that looked exactly like this race. Okay. (laughs) Part of the visual stuff with the racing, though, is always going to keep me at arm's length from the characters and the real emotion. But for people who are primarily interested in the visual aspects, then I think Speed Racer is definitely worth experiencing just for that and i was definitely wondering what this would be like presented in imax or presented on the the dolby screen or something like that 
IMAX was definitely a thing in 2008. I'm assuming mm-hmm. this probably played in it, but I don't know. I saw V for Vendetta, which the Wachowskis right. produced. So that would have been IMAX? what? Yeah, oh, that okay. would have been like two, one or two years before this, I think. Yeah, I didn't have an IMAX theater near me at this time period, so I didn't have my finger on the pulse oh, of what was. I think yeah. V for Vendetta might have been either the first or one of the first that I saw in the IMAX. Gotcha. So if you want to touch my arm. Yeah, <laughs> let me reach over real quick. <laughs> I'm like a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> then Royalton begins a campaign of lawsuits against Racer Motors, alleging intellectual property theft. And even though they're frivolous, they still ruin Racer Motors' reputation and waste their time and money. So, okay. They destroy his car, the Mach 6, in the race, and then they destroy the reputation. It seems like a full-on eradication. They're trying to just wipe the racer, racer motors family. off yeah. the earth since they dared to reject their advances. But at this moment, if you're speed, you would have to assume that the devastation of learning that this thing that you love is fixed. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would actually be able to recover from that. Yeah. Because doesn't it then seem completely pointless to get involved with it at all? I know. Well, I guess that's a big part of the movie, though, is he loves doing this thing, and he's not supposed to let that impact him. Yeah, I know, but I'm being realistic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be like if UFC and boxing and amateur wrestling did not exist. So there was just professional wrestling. Mm Mm-hmm. And you believed it was real, so then you started training to be a professional wrestler. (laughs) As if you needed to actually beat these people in fights. Yeah, yeah. And then you find out that, no, 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 it's actually not real. It's predetermined. What do you mean it's not real? You could take that information and decide to then learn how to be a professional wrestler, learn Mm -hmm. the skill set to do that. But I think that what would really happen is the devastation of learning that the competition that you thought existed is not real. Yeah, that would be a tough pill to swallow. Granted, I guess you can try to crawl inside Speed's head here for a second and think, well, he probably assumes that not every racer's in on it, so there is still at least some form of legitimacy going on, but I don't think that would be my assumption. I would just assume it's all fake. I know. That video of that guy on the internet, that's Speed Racer. It's still real to me, damn it! (laughs) R.I.P. Terry Funk, who <laughs> just passed. <laughs> Thanks for saying what needed to be said. I would love to know what he said. What did Terry Funk say? Something super important. I don't want to see another one of these. I'm going to have to put that clip yeah, in here I know. now because if people so don't good. know what we're talking about. <laughs> Next question, Jeff, where are you? Right there. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all. For all you've done to your bodies. It's still real to me, damn it! I mean, thank you. Thank y'all guys. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much, Mr. Funk, for saying what needed to be said. I don't want to see another one of these. I feel like that was in the early days of YouTube videos, like taking off. That was one of them. Take it easy, man. Yeah. (laughs) Getting nervous. It's mom, Susan Sarandon, who comes in with the big pep talk. This is probably her biggest shining moment in the film. She reminds Speed that when he races, it is an art, that he is 
out there on the track creating art, same as writing or painting or what have you. I'm wondering if that's what drew the Wachowskis into this project. Mm-hmm. They don't really strike me as the type of people who would be into car racing. Now, they were probably fans of the show, yeah. I would imagine. But how do you connect that on a personal level and you make it about art? Now, maybe that's inherent in the original Speed Racer. It probably is, but that's the element that right. you would have to think that artistic types would get interested in because I don't know that they're going to care as much about the com- competition element No, but it. they are very visual directors, so I think that part appeals to them. I know, but yeah. I'm talking about like the story element of it. It does not take long for Speed to be presented an unexpected opportunity to retaliate <laughs> through a man named Inspector Detector. Yeah, some of the names in this universe. Head of an intelligence agency's corporate crimes division. Evidently, race fixing is a known issue, and there are at least some people looking into it. Inspector Detector has arrived at the Racer family home with the notorious masked man Racer X, whom Spritel is terrified of for some reason. Did not really understand why he's a race car driver. What, is he going to kill him? He's just got a lot of mystique. I guess. Spritel couldn't handle that mystique. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The masked man. The names seem to be designed with children in mind. Royalton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inspector Detector, Speed Racer, Chim Chim, Spritel, Trixie, Trixie Pops, Mom. It's pretty childlike. But when we were about to start recording, we were talking about understanding who this movie was for, which yeah. I think is always a big question you can come back to when a movie bombs a lot of the time. Not yeah. every time. Certainly, movies have bombed where there is a clear audience. Who were they targeting, and were they successful at getting that audience? Because clearly I read that quote from Joel Silver, or I don't know if it was a direct quote, but they were trying to make something that wasn't going to be rated R. That's really probably why Warner Brothers agreed to give them $120 million. They weren't going to be interested in R-rated Speed Racer. So Yeah, I know. Well, who would have been pushing for R-rated Speed Racer? No one, but this yeah. movie ends up being PG. Mm-hmm. So this movie is definitely for kids. Yeah. But I don't really know if kids would like this movie. I think it's more or less aimed at people who are hipsters who also like the cartoon. Yeah. There's this generational difference between where we are right now. People like us in our generation, I don't know why we're such a nostalgic generation, but cartoons of the 90s and they bring it back they bring something back we're interested we're I feel interested like, in the announcement yeah in the announcement <laughs> i think at one point in time my dad told me that he watched speed racer when he was a kid it would have zero interest in ever, ever being oh like, yeah oh this the is bad. older generations have not as much no. nostalgia. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they don't care right i couldn't imagine my dad caring about new things that totally. are versions of things that he used to like or whatever and i guess it's just because uh, people used to grow up and now we don't <laughs> I guess, though, in a way, the Wachowskis end up kind of being like Speed Racer, though, because, of course, they have to be hypocritical and actually join the corporations and spend the money and use the money. But they take... They still remember making Bound. (laughs) They take the situation where they have this insane success with a trilogy of films at the time, which had probably brought in a billion dollars plus on their way to multi-billions over the years. 
and a fourth movie eventually. That gets them a lot of capital with the studio. They get to make a dream project. They get to have a huge budget. I think it's cool that you go for it. You put your stamp on it. You do what you want to do. I'm not saying like, oh, who was this for in a bad way. There's tons of movies that I love that you could ask that same question. (laughs) Who was this for? Who did they think was going to see this to make money? I'm just talking more in a business way, not as an artistic totally, shit totally. on yeah, that, that's From right. a business perspective, who was this marketed towards? Who would want to see this? And who was it for? And I'm not un- entirely sure with this movie. They positioned it summer release, May, I think. Mm-hmm. Obviously, PG rating aimed for kids, but as we said, this is a cartoon that was from the 60s. I don't know that little kids in 2008 were aware of this character. This. Yeah. Inspector Detector. Good morning, Mr. Racer. I know it's been a long time. Ten years. We've been after Royalton for years for dozens of capital corporate crimes, including WL fixing. But we haven't had the evidence we needed to convict him until now. What's he doing here? Racer X works closely with our WL corporate crimes division, helping us recruit drivers like you, Speed. Why does he always wear that mask? If any of you actually knew his identity, you'd become targets for his enemies, which include some of the most vicious fixers in the world. What do you want with me? Are you familiar with the driver Tejo Togokan? Of course. For years, he's been contracted by a fixer in Country Block. Recently, Tejo has been forced to lose races, and he began resisting, thinking that he could do it on his own. After Fuji, he realized he needed help. Why help him? because he has a file with enough information to connect Block to Royalton, which could put both of them behind bars for the rest of their lives. The problem is, he won't give us the file unless we help him stop the takeover of his family's company. How? There's an upcoming race. Atejo believes if he can win, it'll catapult to Gukhan Motors back into the spotlight and double the cost of the buyout, which should kill it. But there aren't any more races left except for the Grand Prix, and we both fail to qualify. <clears throat> there aren't any more track races. This is a cross-country rally. Casa Cristo. What? I know it seems cruel of me to ask. Tejo made it clear that he had to have speed and axe on his team or there would be no deal. Absolutely not. You'll have the support of the entire CIB. No. Rally racing is a back alley sport filled with jackals, headhunters, and thugs. I'm sorry, Inspector, but I've already lost one son to that death trap. I won't lose another. I understand. If you change your mind... Keep your car, Chief Inspector. Thank you for your time. The racer Tejo Togakan, the one rescued earlier by Racer X, supposedly has evidence that could not only indict Royalton and others, but also bring down all of the race fixing that has been plaguing the sport However, Tejo will only offer it up if both Speed and Racer X agree to race on his team in the upcoming Casa Cristo 5000. Record scratch. Yep, that same race, the off-track dangerous cross-country rally race that killed Speed's brother Rex. Oh, no. An immediate visceral reaction from Pops. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing some of that Dan from Roseanne rage come in. (laughs) Tejo is like a weird dude to figure out. He's obviously 
involved in some shadiness just by the fact that he's been in business with the guys in the back of this truck that he's in earlier, the Piranha guys. Yeah, the thing with him is that he has worked with a race fixer named Cruncher, I think. Hmm. Is that what his name is? Is it Cruncher Block? (laughs) Could that be the name? Cruncher Block, that is right. So he's already worked with this Cruncher Block guy before, and now that it seems like that relationship is turning into a liability, meaning he's in danger, Tejo, he wants out of it, and he's going to try to use that to his advantage by getting Block arrested. Yeah, just doesn't necessarily seem like a trustworthy dude. Yeah, he's doing it out of self-preservation, not because Mm -hmm. it's the right thing to do or, or anything like that. Tejo is actually played by a recording artist, I believe, named Rain. Is that what he is? Yeah. A recording artist? I'm not oh. I'm not familiar with him, but I just found that interesting that he was just going by Rain. Yeah, well, I was just agreeing with that part. I don't know what he does, but I did see his name was just listed as Rain, and I was like, wow, I pretty think, cool yeah, dude. Yeah, I think he's like a musician, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But anyway, Block can be easily connected to Royalton, and he can bring it all down if these guys agree to join his team for this race that Speed's family doesn't want him to join because it killed his brother. It's a whole thing. And I guess in in full disclosure, full honesty, Tejo is up front about the goal. Yeah. He wants to substantially raise the stock price of his family's racing business by winning, thus blocking a potential Royalton-arranged buyout. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. That isn't exactly what happens, but it's sort of close. It's more they just want to make more money right. from the buyout. They are successful in bumping up the stock price so, so just like insider trading going but i on. found that it was interesting that he is playing it exactly as royalton described it yeah that he's using the race for the stock price right. and speed doesn't seem doesn't to react to that it. yeah it's interesting an interesting choice that this race kind of ends up getting the most action sequence yeah time, the most screen time even though it, it's not the climax of the movie right it's a middle step to yeah. getting the ticket to getting to the last race. But you don't know that at the time. You do right. kind of think that it's going to be the main event. It feels like it. And if they wanted to trim the runtime of the movie, perhaps they could have reorchestrated Maybe it to be the Maybe this could have been like end. a one-day race, <laughs> not a two-day race. I hope that we're not being too critical for Luke's liking. But oh, yeah. if I was going to offer one suggestion, an easy, immediate fix luke probably disagrees if it's his favorite movie ever but it should be 30 minutes shorter and i don't think it'd be that hard to cut 30 minutes out i think there were definitely cuttable things it's two hours and 15 minutes now we do find ourselves saying this about a lot of movies well i think a lot of movies are too long i agree (laughs) there are some movies who are you talking to that's my thing there are some movies that deserve to be two and a half hours there are some that deserve to be three there's some that deserve to be five but that's rare. Well, we're that's at a time period usual. now where it's really abused. The freedom to make a movie however long you want. Every movie is two hours and 40 minutes. Well, when I hear that Christopher Nolan is making Oppenheimer three hours, I say, okay, good. Oh, sure. When I hear that Martin Scorsese is making The Killers of the Flower Moon four hours or The Irishman three and a half hours, I say, good. When I hear that Marvel's new movie is three hours or... DC's new movie is three hours, or Zack Snyder's new movie is two hours and 45 minutes, then I want to kill myself, because that's ridiculous. Not everything has earned that right. (laughs) (laughs) Nolan, Fincher, 
Scorsese, people that you trust. Mm-hmm. They have the freedom. Whatever they say it needs to be, I believe them. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever Disney or Marvel or whatever the fuck, whoever directs Transformers movies, <laughs> if they tell me it needs to be three hours, I say, fuck you. It does not. <laughs> and this movie is not two and a half hours. It's not three hours, but it, it definitely could use a little trim. I, I think, think so. I think that's fair. Another really cool moment in the car with Trixie, this time in the rain, where they're having a little bit of the pep talk deciding whether he's gonna go rogue and go against the family's wishes and do the Casa Cristo 5000 with Tejo and Racer X and it seems as if Speed has made up his mind and he's gonna do it Christina Ricci dropping the people's eyebrow here like the rock mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool this is the first time she mentions having a helicopter she gets one scene to use it which <laughs> I get that it was a feature of the cartoon her character would have one but I don't know. It felt like sort of a token use of it. (laughs) Not really crucial to much. (laughs) Speed does ultimately agree to the terms of the deal, but keeps the decision a secret from his family. Ah, yes. Detector's team makes several defensive modifications to the Mach 5 to assist Speed in the race, because remember, his Mach 6 was destroyed by Royalton's goons. A rally race, I guess, is a multi-leg, multi-day situation which I didn't really know. The reason why Pops and his family is so against it is it has more of that Fast and Furious-style feel to it. It's not a a sanctioned race on a track. It's in streets. It's going across the country or something. What country, we don't know. But Ludacris is, like, announcing the start. (laughs) (laughs) I wish Ludacris was in this movie. That would be great. Back at home, Sprito and Chim Chim are trying to watch the race on TV, but Pops isn't having it. But this eventually, of course, leads to Pops discovering that Speed is in the race. I thought it was kind of uncool of Sprito to get in trouble for watching the race, but then immediately throw Speed under the bus by being like, look, look at the TV, though. Yeah. He's in it. He's worse. <laughs> Sprito causes a lot of problems. Now, how did you feel about the way that Tejo talks to Racer X and Speed in between the two legs. Didn't you think he was being a bit presumptuous? I, I Yeah, I do. <laughs> I guess he's just a rich kid, so. I know. I feel like he almost blows it, though. Yeah. I would have just been like, all right, well, fuck you then. Yeah, dude. I know. <laughs> How about this? You give us your information that's going to take down Royalton or we beat the shit out yeah, of you. Yeah, really. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but Racer X can beat some ass. <laughs> we'll find out later. After they drive together and work naturally as a team, Speed begins suspecting that Racer X is actually his brother Rex in disguise. Mm -hmm. I love the scene when Speed and Trixie were having dinner after this, and he's telling Trixie that he thinks it's his brother. (laughs) Yeah. He's just like, okay. You think your brother would put everyone through that suffering? (laughs) Yeah, her response should be, oh, no, he's losing his mind. (laughs) I need to get help. I know. By the end of the first leg, though, Speed's family has discovered the truth, and now he must contend with that reality, too. Is this the kind of driver I have? Someone who disobeys? Someone who lies to me? Is this the kind of son I've raised? And you, Trixie, you know what this race did to this family. Did either of you stop and think about us? That's all I've been thinking about, Pops. You, Mom, Spridal, Sparky... Yeah, you too, Jim Jim. We're in serious trouble, Pops, and it's all my fault. This is not the place of the race to do anything about that. Why not? Because it won't do any good. You don't know that. 
You think you can drive a car and change the world? It doesn't work like that. Maybe not. But it's the only thing I know how to do and I gotta do something. It's unacceptable. This is over. Pack your things, we're going home. I can't. I'm sorry, Pops. What? I'm staying. So am I. No, you're not. We're going home right now! I'm not a child, Pops. You can't tell me how to live my life. If you want to fire me as your driver, then fine, do it. But it won't change the fact that I am going to finish this race. God, you sound like Rex! You want to die like him too? Will that make you happy? Don't take it out on me because you feel guilty for what happened to okay, Rex. Okay, you two, that's enough. Pops, if they're staying, we're staying. that we all find a way to go home together. Where's the Mach 5? Log with security. You added something to it, didn't you? Some defensive modifications. Whole thing's out of balance, isn't it? It pulls left. That's a little stiff. Sparky! What? He eventually wins everyone over, and even though Pops is angry for him not asking permission and operating in secret, the family decides to support him and watch the race. For some reason, in the middle of the night, a ninja tries to attack the family. Well, there's multiple ninjas that attack all three racers. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I can only it's really the Foot Clan. fixate on the family, <laughs> yeah. though, because right. at one point... I believe Trixie or maybe mom says, was that a ninja? I think it was Trixie. Yeah, it was a ninja. Pop says, yeah, more like a ninja, right. though. <laughs> dad jokes. I don't know. Is it a dad joke? I don't know. Maybe a dad who's missing part of his brain. Well, isn't that what dad jokes are? <laughs> no, they're usually... Okay. There's something... There, I wouldn't say they're funny, but... You get them. I don't okay. even just what like none. Yeah. Like the, we're N O N E. Is that what it means? Like nonja. <laughs> I'm really not sure. But I also like the sleeping arrangement situation. They couldn't spring for their own room. Everybody's like shacking up in Speed's room. I thought the place they were at had multiple rooms. Or am I wrong? Well, I just feel like everyone was sort of. They all come into that room, but yeah. were they in there the whole time? I, I, don't, I don't remember know. that. I kind of had a memory that several people were like shacking up on like cots. <laughs> At some point, they just have to ask Trixie, "Do you have your own family? I know. A house? Anything? Do you just live with us?" And now? like, what is the extent of your and Speed's relationship? Does anyone really know? Well, they're dating. Yeah. What do you mean? Is like, she sitting on his face? How on far rag? is this going? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the end of the movie should just be him doing one of those crazy slides in the Mach 6, and then it, like, pans down, and she's just blowing him while he's driving. <laughs> <laughs> that credits. The rest of the movie is the cleanest PG movie Maintains ever. its PG rating. <laughs> That's a twist. It's forget the brown bunny going on in the car. Yeah, forget the Rex <laughs> Racer stuff. That's the twist this movie needed. <laughs> With his family and Trixie aiding him, Speed manages to overcome seemingly insurmountable odds to secure the victory for Tejo's team, defeating many brutal and psychotic racers, literally attempting to murder him on the track. The one racer throws a, an active beehive into 
his car or tries to. There's sort of a Mario Kartness to all of the weaponry going on. Oh yeah, for sure. After winning a race, Speed Racer jumps out of his car while it's still moving and strikes a pose. This scene replicates the trademark pose of Speed Racer in the opening credits of the cartoon. Mm. The race fixer that we finally figured out is named Cruncher Block, the one holding Tejo earlier, is arrested by Detector's team. But Tejo's arrangement is revealed to be a sham as he was only interested in increasing the value of his family's company to profit from Royalton's buyout. So there will be no domino falling for Royalton at this point. Enraged, Speed hits the track that he often used to drive with his brother back in the day. When Racer X shows up, Speed hits him with his suspicion that he is in fact Rex in a mask. But then Racer X removes the mask and reveals an unfamiliar face. Hey, aren't you from Lost? (laughs) Folks. It's better than my brother. <laughs> well, you it's look Jack way more Lost. handsome. Yeah. He tells Speed that his brother is dead, but advises him to not let racing change the way he is and figure out his own driving. Just stay true to yourself, kid, mm-hmm. basically. When Speed returns home, he plans to head out on his own, but Pops expresses his pride in Speed's actions and that he was wrong to not let Speed do what he needed to do. He says that it it was his own stubbornness that drove Rex away. Let's pause right there. Pretty heartbreaking stuff, then, to just let your fucking dad live with this regret while you get to turn your face into Matthew Fox. I know. Look, what the fuck? It's really worth bringing down the corruption in the racing world to abandon your family forever? The wreckage that this eldest son has left behind here even if pops could understand to save racing your mom you're doing this to your poor mother no kidding your brother who idolizes you i could see it to get away from spritel uh, yeah once that spritel gets introduced into the mix i'm getting out of that house <laughs> <laughs> i'm going off on my own but yeah pops is living in this world where he feels like it's his fault that rex went off and did what he did, not understanding that Rex knew how dark the WRL and racing really is and was trying to fix it. So, yeah, it's kind of fucked up to leave your dad thinking that. Mm -hmm. Speed tells Pops about the race-fixing conspiracy, but Pops doesn't want to believe it. We should mention, though, that it's not just Royalton. Speed has it confirmed to him by Shaft. Yes. (laughs) Who was... In that 43 pre? So, yeah, yeah, it has to be happening in the past. Yeah. If the guy is still alive. No, I know. So, yeah, it has to be, like, an alternate past. We're morons. We don't understand anything that we're saying. <laughs> well, well, this is what happens when people ask us to do Star Trek or things that already exist, like Speed Racer, and we don't know anything about it, and we're spending half the time trying well, the, to figure out To be out fair, I, they only place. say 43. I mean, it could be, like, 2043. I know, it takes place yeah. out of time right. and place, because yeah. it's not a real place either. I know, I'm just trying to figure out right. what they're thinking. I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't seem like how it could be from 43 to now that this is how the Grand Prix has evolved. <laughs> <laughs> An insane evolution over 20 years. <laughs> That's true. But yes, Richard Roundtree plays this other driver from the past, Yeah, and he doesn't really confirm it. But he doesn't deny it. Right. The thing that he says is sort of vague, and I guess that Speed is interpreting it that he's confirming. Well, because isn't he kind of like, 
oh yeah, everybody thought we didn't like each other. Yeah. Huh. Like, Which have a good day. <laughs> insinuates that they were working together to right. come up with the finish of the race, yeah, but yeah. doesn't actually confirm it, I guess. I don't know. But Pops doesn't want to believe it anyway. At that moment, though, it's an unexpected visitor once again, and this visitor provides Speed with a path. Tejo's sister, Haruko, arrives and apologizes for her brother, giving Speed Tejo's automatic invitation to the upcoming Grand Prix, which Tejo was planning to reject. And so the Racer family bands together and builds a new Mach 6 in 32 hours. This part made me laugh a lot. They just are showing a bunch of shit mm-hmm. in the run-up to the race. It's a big montage of getting the car ready. Then we're seeing the commentators, which includes the driver who told Speed that the races were fixed. Yep. He's one of them. We're seeing all kinds of shit going on. Royalton, the family, whatever. And then they show the two commentators and the other guy, and he says to the makeup girl, you were here last year? And she says no. And then he just goes, you were here. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. It was so weird. It felt like something from just some other movie. I I don't know. know. It was so strange. (laughs) Prototypical douche. Against Royalton's strenuous objections, Speed uses Tejo's rejected invitation to enter the Grand Prix with the aid of Inspector Detector. However, he's up against tremendous odds. Royalton has placed a million-dollar bounty on Speed's head that all of the other drivers are eager to collect. Plus, he's pitted against future Hall of Famer Jack Cannonball-Taylor, who we met briefly during Speed's initial tour at Royalton's facilities. He's a sharp-dressed man. (laughs) Speed overcomes some initial trouble and a slow start to finally catch up with Taylor, who uses a cheating device called a spear hook to latch the Mach 6 to his own car. This seems like the type of ploy that could very easily backfire, and not in the way that it does in the movie. It just seems like you could easily fuck your car up doing something like this possibly but i don't really know exactly what all the spear hook is doing well that's true is it disabling the other car in some way is it picking the other car up off of the road so that he's driving his four wheels but the other car can't drive i, I the was same way? i was envisioning something like that because other than that you would feel like the strength of the two cars you could yank it away yeah. like how strong is this thing i don't know yeah, i know because if the other guy yanked his wheel just as hard as you did, then who is in control, I guess is right. what I'm saying. So you would think that the spear hook would have to have give you an of... advantage, or else yeah. why is your car the one in control? It's just two cars connected then. Right. Get that weak shit off my track! This week. Cannonball Taylor's in trouble. Tear him up, tear him up. Lesson's over. See you at the finish line. Stop him. Stop him. Yeah! 
What is it? Spearhook! You got me! Cannonball has speed pinned as they grind through the butterfly turn. That cheer! He's using a spearhook! In a pretty genius move, Speed uses his jump jacks to expose the spear hook to the cameras filming the race, causing Taylor to crash, but also the shock and dismay of everyone in the audience, causing a meltdown amongst yeah. everyone. Instant pandemonium. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> They've seen drivers get killed on the track before. No reaction, but this. They can't believe it. <laughs> People tripping over each other trying to flee Royalton's party because he's so disgraced now. <laughs> that party was yeah. like some real Clearing sad, out of his like private suite. That's some election night yeah. disappointment going on in there. <laughs> the announcers immediately start burying Taylor for doing this. Even... Shaft, who seemingly admitted to race fixing, says he may have cost himself the Hall of Fame with that move. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were thinking it's timely because of the steroid scandal that was still in everyone's mind That's maybe true. in 2008. <laughs> in the aftermath of the crash, Speed has to revive the Mach 6, which is momentarily disabled, and he has to almost become one with the vehicle listen yes. to the car well that was some advice that he had received earlier in the movie yeah a lot of flashing back now to his interactions with racer x miraculously speed gets his car restarted after the crash with taylor and wins the race heroically and successfully exposing royalton's crimes while racer x watches on during the celebrations we finally discover the truth a flashback montage reveals that Racer X's true identity is Rex and that he faked his death. <laughs> Least shocking reveal of all time. And then had extensive plastic surgery to completely alter his appearance. Extreme. Extreme measures. It was all part of some grand plan to protect speed while trying to save the sport of racing. However, we're not really provided with a lot of the details about what was going on, so it does seem... Like a bit much? <laughs> yeah, I agreed. But the montage also provided one of the biggest laughs of the movie, although this one I felt like may not have been intentional. But watching Rex, who at that point still looks like Rex, attend his own funeral by <laughs> hiding behind a tree, which was literally right next to I where know. everyone was. I was crying laughing. How was he going to explain that? I was thinking, is this guy Jean-Ralphio from Parks and Rec? (laughs) What the fuck is going on? I know. you're For the extreme measures that you've taken this thing, you're really playing with fire standing within 15 feet of your parents. Why would you need to do that? I know. I'll say this, though, for Speed Racer. Pretty convincing advertisement for plastic surgery. Definitely. Yeah, if I could look like 
Matthew Fox. I'd like the Matthew Fox look, please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> For some reason, Racer X chooses not to reveal his identity to his family, declaring that he alone must live with his decision. Although not alone, he does have that cop mysterious girlfriend. That's true. And clearly, Inspector, Inspector Detector, Detector knows <laughs> for some reason. Maybe in the the manga, it explains that he's yeah. working for Inspector Detector like and this is time. all part of some bigger yeah. plan. But they don't really get into that much in the movie. They don't tell us. Yeah, my reaction when he reveals that he's not telling the family. What was what? All that all for then? I just said, what? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I didn't understand anything then. Because I thought that they had won and it was over. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize there was going to be more to come out yeah. of this. The Racer family celebrates Speed's victory as Speed and Trixie kiss. Tejo ends up testifying against Royalton and Block, with Royalton ending up in jail. The triumphant kiss at the end is interrupted by Spritel and Chim Chim with the cootie alert. Yeah. Oof. Did not like that. Spritel would eventually just disappear. Never to be seen again. They should just throw Spritel directly into the trash. <laughs> it's like uh, what? How American Summer? They just throw him out of the van. <laughs> Chim Chim's going berserk on yeah. the stage after the race, just ripping faces <laughs> off left and right. They uh, don't even react like the racer yeah. family. Oh, he's just playing. I'm sorry, racer family. We have to take your pet away. <laughs> it's killing people. I'll just insert a clip of Joe Rogan or something talking on his podcast about chimps like ripping genitals off or something. You know, they always talk about chimps attacking people or whatever, and it's always some insane thing that they do. (laughs) They go right for the eyes and the genitals. Yeah, good lord. (laughs) Love it or hate it, I think you have to admire the ambition though Wachowski's attempted to create something new and never seen before and in that sense they certainly succeeded as I said before I really don't think there's any visual comps to this it's certainly their own thing it's a world of its own and if anything the recent rise in this fandom Mm -hmm. it gaining a cult following proves that there are people who were interested in this unique vision and i actually really like that part at the end of the grand prix where the red white checker like circles around yeah like i think that part looks really cool and then comes out oh yeah there's definitely like a lot of cool looking stuff in it but there's also stuff in it too that does seem like a straight up video game yeah i own a ps5 as does matt but i don't really consider us gamers we're not gamers yeah, so FIFA and Madden, that's about it. For yeah, me. we're yeah. we play like the worst games, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the ones that they trick you into having to buy every year. <laughs> yeah, the games that the gamers make fun of, like yeah. when gamers buy vintage games, they don't want sports games yeah, totally. because who cares? But yeah, those are the games we have. Anyway, I think if you come from that background, you're really into video games, you're really into anime and manga. This is probably more your speed. Mm-hmm. I don't really have that that same background no pun intended (laughs) no it was intended okay (laughs) while planning out the film's pace and structure the wachowskis embraced techniques of non-linear narrative such as stream of consciousness storytelling from modernist novels like ulysses by james joyce and purple america by rick moody seeking to play with the conventions of cinematic language as those authors had done with prose They de-emphasized traditional cuts in favor of more fluid transitions with the intention that scenes would feel like this experimental flowing thing 
that was transcending normal, simple linear narrative. The film's bright, colorful, smooth look is indebted to pop art, including paintings by Roy Lichtenstein and art photography by Andy Warhol, David LaChapelle, and Jill Greenberg. To achieve the desired visual aesthetic, Gaeta and effects supervisor Dan Glass developed a method of layering photographic and computer-generated imagery that they described as poptimistic photo anime, taking inspiration from animated films like The Castle of Cagliostro, Tron, Akira, and Tarzan. Oh, yeah. I've never actually seen the Tarzan from 1999, so Uh, I don't really know what that's like. Yeah, nor have I. I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention this, just because it's out there. How big a deal it is, I guess, is up to you. But there was some animal cruelty incidents with the production. During the making of the film, animal rights group PETA made allegations of animal cruelty against the film, reporting that one of the two chimpanzees used in the production was allegedly beaten after biting a child actor. Yikes. The incident was confirmed by the American Humane Association, animal safety representative on the set who reported that the stand-in for the Spritel character had been bitten without provocation. The AHA representative also reported that toward the end of filming during a training session in the presence of the American Humane representative, the trainer in an uncontrolled impulse hit the chimpanzee. The AHA film unit referred to this abuse as completely inexcusable and unacceptable behavior in the use of any animal. The AHA plays Speed Racer on their, quote, unacceptable list, chiefly because of this incident and a separate case where five piranhas died of unexplained causes. What? With the AHA noting the aforementioned training incident tarnishes the excellent work of the rest of the production and blah, 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 blah. There were real problems. Yeah, that's the part that I was blown away I was, by. Yeah, I thought it was 100% CGI. Well, making a movie is complicated. And yeah. I would imagine that they may have bought some that they considered using. They bought some that they may have used oh, as sure, models. Yeah. But yeah, you don't really see any real ones on screen, but there probably were some used for mm-hmm. the production in some way. Finally, Variety discussed a possible sequel, saying it could happen if Speed Racer had a good box office performance. Obviously, that did not happen. And here we sit, no sequel. However, the Wachowskis did say that it was possible. Rain, Ricci, Hirsch have all mentioned it. The most recent comments came from Emil Hirsch in 2018 when he tweeted out that a sequel script had been written, but... That would have been probably shortly after his career had taken a big hit because of whatever that incident was. So that could have just been grasping at anything, Mm. trying to get something going, because he's one of those dudes that is in a lot of the straight VOD movies that you've never heard of. Totally. That's pretty much where he's at now, with the occasional (laughs) appearance in something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he seemingly got a free pass to be in it. But other than that, not a lot of work coming his way in terms of big projects, I don't think. But yeah, I I would imagine that there will be more Speed Racer. In fact, J.J. Abrams has a show that is, I think, about to come out or is in production for Apple TV or Apple Plus. So yes, there will be more. It will not be related to this film. I highly doubt that unless they pitch some idea where they can spend a third of the money or something. But other than that, I I really don't think... Mm -hmm that a studio is going to invest money in a franchise that's already lost so much because this had a huge marketing budget too with lots of tie-in stuff. And 
nobody in this movie is a box office draw at the moment. There's just no connective thing yeah. that would get it going. I don't foresee it, so I yeah. think this is it. One and done. Luke, thank you for the listener request. It got yeah. a little wild. I think we found a lot of stuff to goof on, but we always do, so don't take offense to that, <laughs> Luke, please. No, I don't think it was that bad. Anytime that our listeners want to push us in a direction by requesting something we haven't seen, I'm always interested in that. Yeah, and it's a good topic for us to do because of the cult status that it's gone on to have. Yeah, I don't think I said this yet, but if I did, I'll just repeat it. When Luke made this request... I think that for some people, maybe Matt, who yeah. is, well, you know, you heard it on a podcast. Some people who aren't as tuned in, it would be shocking. But mm-hmm. I had heard about this now for yeah. a few years. I knew that the tide was changing a little bit with this movie in some circles. Right. Do I think that there will be a full reevaluation? No, but I also don't really feel that way about the Star Wars prequels either. And a lot of people are adamant that those are great now, too. So I don't really know why people come in with these different opinions. I think that as a culture, we are sort of changing what we're interested in and how we experience media and experience storytelling. And I do think that video games and TikTok and different things like that influence things. Just how MTV influenced young people, which changed movies and TV in the 80s. And you started getting way faster cuts in that slow, leisurely pace of the 70s seemed insane which i now miss right but in that moment people were like what the fuck this is so boring you got to be quicker you got to you got to jump to different things faster and you know and i think that because different things are influencing our culture now that's why movies like speed racer or the star wars prequels are being reevaluated and people are appreciating them differently because they are coming up in a different world Mm -hmm. they just have different things going on all the time with the internet (laughs) definitely (laughs) i gotta get on that internet i miss everything (laughs) So we already did email, but real quick, let's close with recommendations. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. I'll go first this time since I usually throw it to Matt. I just want to highlight a nice show. Oh. It's not incredible. I don't laugh super hard. I don't even know if I really laugh out loud much at all. But I do find myself liking it, just enjoying being there with the characters. All right, I'm good with this. Only Murders in the Building, season three, Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez. It's weird to me how little buzz there seems to be for season three, but I find that now about everything. You have fucking one of the biggest movie stars, Paul Rudd, one of the greatest actresses of all time, Meryl Streep, just showing up for season three. Yeah. And you it feels like you barely even hear about it because right. huge actors are in TV shows all the time now. And it is sort of diminished. We just did a Seinfeld Give Us a Second. And there was such a delineation in the 90s, even though it didn't make sense, because Jerry Seinfeld, of course, the whole cast was way bigger stars than Marissa right. Tomei. Yeah. But Marissa Tomei coming on to Seinfeld was a big deal because movie people didn't always go on TV shows like totally. they do now. Yeah. So she seemed like a big deal, even though she would have been nowhere near as rich or famous as anyone on Seinfeld. Right. But it seemed like a big deal. Totally. But now Meryl Streep's already been on Big Little Lies. 
Paul Rudd, I think, has done like seven shows, probably. Yeah. These people just do shows nonstop. Yeah, now. it's a different world now. But so, yeah, I do like this show. I haven't watched it all the way through, but Lindsay's watching it a lot, and I love the vibe of it. It's just like yeah, it's a, just it's just cute. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm laughing out loud all the time. Yeah. Martin Short is definitely very funny still, but he's even kind of toned down for him. Right. But it's just very pleasant. That's the word. Yeah. Matt, do you have anything? I actually have two, but I'm going to also reignite something that comes up from time to time because I'm back on it now. Shudder. It's the time of the okay. year. Okay. I was actually thinking about canceling Shudder, but okay. This is the time to get back on. We're heading into that I've time of the year. had it nonstop for five years. <laughs> so I actually watched two movies on Shudder this weekend. One, Claire Denis. I had not seen this. There's a French version of the title. I'm just going to give the English title Bastards. Okay. I haven't like, heard of that one. It's like a neo-noir. Dark, of course. Weird. The dude that's in it is the guy from Tatane, the guy that oh, yeah. thinks it's his son. Right. <laughs> that's like the main dude. I thought it was like really cool. I think it's like maybe my favorite Claire Denis film that I've seen so far. All right. Okay. Um, I haven't seen it. And then the other thing I watched is a movie we've talked about. I've passed over it a million times <laughs> when it was on Prime. I finally just watched it today. Super Dark Times. Okay. One of the cool independent movies over the last I haven't watched that either. Five years or so. Yeah, I I liked that quite a bit too. I'm I wasn't like, oh, this is an immediate five star, but it was Yeah, I've heard pr- nothing but good things. A, a good watch for about sure. That one. Okay, so those two are available on Shutter. Yep. Which if you don't have it, is very cheap. And if you want to get into horror movies, they have a weird and very wide range from Definitely. stuff as big as the biggest franchises in horror, all the way down to weird Euro stuff, oh, yeah. stuff from the 40s and 50s, stuff from 2023 that you've never heard of because it's some small indie thing they bought at a festival. They have they a have bunch of their of original stuff. content, too. Well, that's what I mean. They oh, just, yeah, yeah. A lot of that right. stuff, they just throw their name on there. They yeah. didn't really pay for it. Right. Some of it they did. Sure. Yeah, their biggest downfall, I think, is the budgets for their original content. True. Yeah, I, I can't say that. Any of the Shutter exclusive or Shutter originals, none of them have garnered a, a five star response from me. But the one thing that they did get was rights to the Creep Show franchise, which they've turned into a TV series, which I've heard is awful and okay. so cheap. All right, just so cheap. Good, but okay. What can you do? Yeah, I, I think, do think Shutter is a cool streaming. Yeah, service it's worth it. if you just, like horror and just to experience some of the Joe Bob commentaries, and you can learn a lot about random movies and things like that. There's a lot of good stuff on there. I just hadn't been using it much, and so I was thinking about canceling it, but I still haven't. So there you go. So two on Shudder, one on Hulu. That would be Only Murders in the Building. Thanks to Luke for the listener request. If you have your own listener request, you can reach us on X slash Twitter at GreatestPod or email GreatestPod at gmail.com. They do cost money. $50 right now will get you a movie about... Two hours and 10 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. It used to be two hours and 10 minutes. We've kind of relaxed that since I made a slip of the tongue. I've decided to just allow whatever. (laughs) We'll get a little tighter next year. You basically have a few more months to exploit this. And then next year, hard line, $100. Hopefully no one wants that. (laughs) We can just sort of phase it out. Totally. (laughs) No, it's not that we don't like doing it. And I will always be willing, but... But there's only so many there's episodes only so in much, our lives. Yeah, there's only so many days I'm going to be left <laughs> living, and I want to get to the list I have. Yeah, right. I'm willing to 
adjust as long as the people are willing to shell out some money. So if you if you want to get the 2023 prices, you have a few more months. You will be getting a listener request in 2024, though. Email us, ask for stickers, find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983 and Matt Crosby. And most importantly, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And Never spread miss the word. an episode. Spread the word. Give us a rating and review. Do your part yeah, to help please, us. Come on. <laughs> Folks. Anyway, thanks to Luke. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And we'll talk to you soon. Here he comes, here comes Speed Racer. He's a demon on wheels. He's a demon and he's gonna be chasing after someone. He's gaining on you, so you better look alive. He's busy revving up the powerful Mach 5. And when the odds are against him and they're dangerous work to do, your life's eraser, see it through. Go speed racer, go speed racer, go speed racer, go. He's often flying as he guns a car around the track. He's jamming down the pedal like he's never coming back. Adventure's waiting just ahead. Go speed racer, go speed racer, go speed racer, go. Wow. You know what, you people make me sick. You act like you care, but you do nothing. Do you even bother to compost your own feces? Look, I got a lot of real work that I have to do right now, so I'm not really interested in having some actor lecture me. Are you saying actors can't change the world? I guess nobody bothered to tell Sharon Stone.